I remember one of my kids one time, I, they did something, I don't remember what it was, and I was like, you know, it'd be a good idea if you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and they just kept going, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? You didn't say I had to do it. You said it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, where HIPAA and humor collide to make learning fun. Your delightful hosts are Donna Grindle and David Sims. Relax. HIPAA help is on the way. Hi, I'm Dee Dee Dunlap from Perkins County Health Services in Grant, Nebraska, and you're listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast. Thank you for that intro. I'm David Sims of HIPAA for MSPs and Security First IT, and joining me is Donna Grindle of Carden. Yes, the infamous Donna Grindle. I am delightful, not infamous. <laughs> infamous. Well, this is not a good start. <laughs> Better clear everything out. Yeah, get it all out. Get it all out. I'm so, working on it. Uh, so another thing you need to get out is uh, the inbox, your email inbox. Apparently, you're letting things slip through. I know. I am failing. <laughs> not you. Oh, not me. That gets the same emails. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I got this. I did it. Yep. So uh, just saying, if you emailed us, <laughs> there was no response. It's not my fault. <laughs> Actually, you, you would have gotten emails. Yeah, you would have gotten a response. It just may have been delayed. There you go. So, yeah, I think we've answered everybody. But we get a ton of these emails that are spam and yeah. people wanting to sell us stuff. And Now, I will tell you that if you blog on our, I mean, it, yeah. and it gets cluttered with crap. Yeah. Now, if you do, if you do send us an email that says, "I wrote this awesome blog post and it would go great with your blog post," please add it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Delete. And my other favorite is I saw that you talked about this topic, and I'm sure your listeners would love to hear more about this topic from me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, nah. interesting too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, or you know, it's kind of like the people that send me email, and it's like. I'd love to talk to you about selling you IT services. And I'm like, <laughs> did you not even go to the website? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, when things get buried, I apologize. Yeah. So um, anyway, in a recent episode, we did discuss how the level of distraction in the world right now means that, mm -hmm. you know, nobody's watching. So as I always tell people when, when there's a lot going on in the news, it scares me. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know somebody somewhere is like, don't look at the hand over here. Don't look at the hand over here. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's a criminal element or, you know, other things. <laughs> yeah, there's always something going on. Yeah. And plus, I got to put a chicken as a picture. So, <laughs> you know, I like that. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, anyway, as uh, as things would would happen, we have a lot to cover today. And uh, yeah, we have some of those. You know, look, we need to be paying attention. There's some stuff happening out there. And then, as I'm getting everything ready, boom! Yesterday, they come out with a new settlement. So, yeah, interesting. How we have to talk about that one. There's some weirdness in there and some interesting stuff. You ever notice that OCR always releases these just in time for us to put them in the show? <laughs> just saying. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. Okay. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, it would almost be like they were listening. So, anyway, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> they don't come out on Friday after the show. They come out just enough time to make it in the show. Yeah. So, we're going to be Sometimes. talking about the Agape Settlement that just came out. Or, as Donna says, the Metropolitan the Community Health Services, MCHS, or Agape. 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 Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know about you, but when I see the settlements and it's, we have a small provider settlement, you know, I kind of, I probably shouldn't say this, but I send it to all my small providers. <laughs> see, told you. <laughs> yeah. You're not it's too small. Unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but yeah. And uh, so we can, uh, as they say, you know, because we got to use our buzzword, we can unpack this and see what we can learn. Yes. I learned a few things that we'll, I thought were very interesting to share. I, yeah, I like saying we'll peel back the onion and there'll probably be a lot of crying. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into that, though, let's see. I think the boot camp is, is camped out, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Done. So 2020 boot camp is full, officially. We're, we're closing the doors. Is that right? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> if you really want to come, check with us, but I can't say, promise anything. Yeah, I'd say if, if it still means a lot to you to get in this one, then at least put yourself on the waiting list in case something happens, because you never know. Right. We may have an opening, so put yourself on the list, or go ahead and book for next year. Though, though we don't have the dates yet, there will be We one. don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how. <laughs> we if this know. goes well, we might do another uh, virtual one. Who knows? Yeah, and this will go well. All righty then. Because I have sound effects now. <laughs> so it will Let's be get on with it then. <laughs> All right, so... So there it is for the HIPAA Bootcamp. If you want to know more, maybe you're a first-time listener, go to thehippabootcamp.com. We do have a bootcamp that we do, and it is amazing how much you will learn. Yes. Even those who have been around HIPAA for a long time come out of there with, like, you know, their jaw on the floor. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a good time. I had somebody yes. somebody email me. It's like, I hope we're going to learn a lot because this was not cheap. <laughs> I said, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. But that's right. If you want cheese, you go to the podcast. Connection. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So uh, anyway, talking about the podcast, please go to uh, Apple Podcast or wherever else you're listening and leave us a review. We haven't asked for those in a while, and we haven't got any in a while because we haven't asked. So do that. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think about it, and um, of course, we prefer five stars. So, make it happen, Captain. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive into today's topic right after this break. Did you know that 83% of healthcare organizations report a strong negative impact to their bottom line after a data breach? So many doctors think that they're HIPAA compliant and have nothing to worry about. Many of those organizations thought the same thing before it happened to them. Call Cardin today at 678-292-5001 so they can assess your practice and help ensure you are protected and prepared. Visit CardinHQ.com to learn more. Cybercrime is a multi-billion dollar industry and growing. How confident are you that your computer network can withstand a cyber attack? 
Can you afford to take the chance that what you have today will protect you? Call us and find out if the cybersecurity in your business is something you should be concerned about or if you can rest easy knowing your business is protected. Visit us online at securityfirstit.com. That's securityfirstit.com. And schedule a time to talk. All right, we're back. Well, we do need to say thank you to our donors and those who have rated us and reviewed us yes. kindly. And, and for thank those you. who are following us, apparently it does freak Donna out, though, when she's at the grocery store and people are behind <laughs> her. But thanks for following. <laughs> that only happened once at a conference. Is anyway. that what <laughs> Yeah. What was the one we we were at the boot camp that one time and this and the lady comes in and she's like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's Don David. And I was like, I didn't know what she was talking about at first, because <laughs> I'm like, look, we're more excited to see you than you are to see us. <laughs> I know. It's good though. It's it good is. to be that way. It's, it is. It's um it's fun, but it still still feels weird that uh, people look at us that way. Uh, I'm used to him looking at me sideways. <laughs> Side eye. All righty. So let's talk about the settlement that came in yesterday. Because, you know, as you were preparing the podcast and doing the notes and all that stuff, guess what popped into your newsfeed? Yeah. New settlement. Yeah. With the small healthcare provider agrees to $25,000 and a two year corrective action plan. Yeah. And you now let's, let's say it because I always do. The $25,000 thing is going to be a drop in the bucket. <laughs> right. Compared to everything else that they don't talk about the cost of. So don't mm-hmm. think that, oh, I'll just take my risk for twenty five grand. Oh, yeah. no. And your insurance might cover the twenty five grand. It will not cover all the work you have to do in a cap, necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, this again, this is only the second one. So far in 2020, we had the first one. It was a single doctor thing. It was like a hundred grand, and, and it was kind of a similar situation. Now it is weird that you know we discussed that one back in March. That feels like another lifetime ago. I know because we recorded it in February. <laughs> it was BC. Yeah, I know, and you know before the Rona yeah. shut down, but it. Really is the this is the only two, and they've both been small providers, should be getting people's attention mm-hmm. because clearly they do these to get people's attention. That's their intent is to get people's attention. Their I, intention is to get attention. Oh, there you go. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we don't know. They didn't have a lot of them last year until the end of the year. We don't know what's going to happen this year. I know of several that are still so close that, uh, you know, but you never know with all the legal ramblings. But this is one, there's the business name, and then there's the DBA name, and and then there's the acronyms, and it's – but the bottom line is (laughs) – there's Metropolitan Community Health Services, and they're known as Metro, or they're known as MCHS, or Agave. Hmm. 
Wow. Health services, a gap. <laughs> 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 but they're in North Carolina, David. I know. So they are, what, eastern North Carolina. Yeah. And if you go to their website, it says they're an integrated medical, dental, behavior, health, and pharmacy services for adults and children. I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But they only employ 43 people, so they're not huge. They serve about 3,100 patients annu- annually. So OCR says, look, we took that into account when this settlement was done. And they've always said, we do take into account the size and and the services provided, and they've mentioned that many times. So what they're saying here is if you weren't, if, if they weren't a, I, I don't know the area of where they are, but what is that, eastern or is this western North Carolina? It seems like a really underserved population is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't that kind of group and you had the same problems, what they're saying is it wouldn't be $25,000. Right. Be a whole lot more than that. Right. So don't think that, you know, for 25K, eh, I'll write it off. They're making it clear that, no, that's not how we roll. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in the press release, we always have the director's quote. That gives us a clue of what they're trying to tell people. Right? Mm-hmm. So it is the message they're trying to get across with this settlement and making this announcement. So what is the message, David? The message is, better have your stuff straight. But <laughs> what Roger says <laughs> is uh, healthcare providers owe it to their patients to comply with HIPAA rules. When informed of potential HIPAA violations, providers owe it to their patients to quickly address problem areas to safeguard individuals' health information. So what does that say to you? That says to me that they came a-knocking and they said, you got some problems, but they didn't get a very quick response on that. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, Serena Mosley Day always says, do not ignore us. Mm -hmm. It's like... uh, just be quiet. If you don't look at them, they won't see you. <laughs> it's like when you were a kid. You remember like you played hide and seek and the kid would just stand there and put his hands over his eyes? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I can't see you, you can't see me. Can't see me. So it's like, if I ignore them, they'll ignore me. <laughs> and unfortunately, they don't. Now, it may take them a while <laughs> because they're short-staffed with a massive volume. And they, you know, this one goes back to a breach reported to OCR on June 9th, 2011. Mm -hmm. So here's another really old situation. So they've been trying to work with them since that time, I can assure you. Mm -hmm. The way these things work, they've been trying to get them to do stuff. But it also points out there's still a big backlog. (laughs) Yeah. Nine (laughs) years ago. Yeah. You don't get to anything but the last two years of the DataBridge Info portal now. You have to go to the archive section to get to that breach. Wow. Which tells you another thing, just because it's been archived off the portal, the portal only shows you the last 24 months. 
they're still actively investigating things from the archived list. That, again, should be getting people's attention. And there's something, I don't know. I don't know whether they felt like it wasn't important, but I really, because usually, you know, you just enter a few search terms, maybe two or three tries, and you're going to find, like, the announcement or the press release or something. Even back, you know, 2009, 2000, I found them. Mm -hmm. I could not find this one. Hmm. I could not find anything on this one other than the information about the settlement and the listing on the portal, which doesn't tell you very much. And on the portal, it just says it's an unknown origin and it had to do with email. And then in the settlement, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll see what they, because they always tell you this is what happened. And the settlement didn't really tell you anything. Oh, you know, have just to, it had, had to, to get, do with the email. Huh? You know, they had to get the media involved at, at that number. Yeah. Maybe this was back when it's like, you know, we don't pay that much attention to what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. But you would think, and, you know, it could be that their local media in that area doesn't have a big web presence and search engine. I don't know. But all we really know is that it had something to do with email impacting 1,263 patients. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's really... You know, all we know, and, you know, with a really nice headline of small healthcare provider fails to implement multiple HIPAA security rule requirements. Boom. Enough said. They failed. <laughs> what? I said enough said. I know, right? Don't need to hear nothing else. It's all done, and really, we shouldn't worry. They just failed. And <clears throat> leave it at that. But... You, you know, you expect that, you know, there's certain terms in there and they, you know, have their quote, OCR's investigation revealed. I mean, they go from there was an email quoted and boom, there's no other details like we normally see. OCR investigation revealed longstanding systematic noncompliance. Mm. Think about that. We're saying it's the whole system. Everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they failed to conduct a risk analysis. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Failed to conduct risk analyses. Multiples. Failed to implement any HIPAA security rule policies and procedures. And this one. So they have the data breach in 2011. And it had to do with email. So you got to figure staff's involved. And then they say they neglected to provide workforce members with security awareness training until 2016. Mm. Five years later. What? Yeah, I mean, you get, you get uh, you know, called out by the OCR. You would think at that point that you get your stuff together, but no, they didn't. No, and, and that, that's really what they're saying is, look, once you have a problem, and we look at it and say, you know, you really should do this. And often that's that's what they do. If you have a problem for the very first time, they're going to look at it and go, you know what? You really need to do these things. And could you, and then they'll follow up and say, have you done these things? But then they don't do them. And then they keep not doing them. And they try really hard because you serve an underserved population. Mm -hmm. They're trying really hard. But. 
as you expect, it's the same list, you know. They failed to implement HIPAA security rule policies and procedures and note the word implement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that say to you, David? That they didn't, they had them. <laughs> but they may they have had not. a notebook with Yeah, they templates. had them, but they didn't follow them, which typically means we purchased these online and yeah, we're good. The number of cases where we go in and ask for them and everybody's like, yeah, we got those, that template from somebody. <laughs> it's, it's you know, where called, are those? And Yeah, check the box. HIPAA made you easy. even hear the little three-ring binder go, because it's never really been open. <laughs> Moths come out. <laughs> But yeah. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, it, it's important to note there. It's not that they didn't have them, they're saying. It's that they didn't implement them. Yeah. So if you can't show you're actually following your policies and procedures, we've said that over and over again. They're reiterating that here. Yeah. Which, they did not provide. Go ahead. What? Well, I was going to say, that, you know, a big point of contention that I have a, a lot with the, you know, Facebook certified HIPAA experts <laughs> is that. They often say, oh, HIPAA is just a bunch of policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. Okay. But are you following them? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just having them is not enough. No. And I always love it when I ask, does your IT company know what your policy, your security policies and procedures say? Yeah. Well, why would they need to know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I asked, um, I asked a company recently, I was like, when was your last uh, HIPAA assessment? And she said, we haven't, we haven't done annually. I'm like, wow, fantastic. And uh, I said, so the interesting thing is, is we've been your IT provider for the past two years, and you've not asked us to be involved in any of this. And I've been asking you for two years to get this thing done. <laughs> so how has that happened? So how are you doing these? And, you know, upon further investigation, basically their quote-unquote compliance company it's just sending them a questionnaire. Do you have a firewall? Do you have antivirus? Do you have? The, I mean, they're just saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Frustrating. A gap analysis, a basic gap yeah. analysis. Exactly. And they believe they're still okay. That's the sad part. Uh-huh. They're quote unquote compliance company. Anyways, that would be the work that would get them to say in an investigation, you really need to do more of these things. Because you can't show me you're doing any of this. But coming back to their list, of course, 2016, that, that's, and it was June 30th, 2016. So almost exactly five years later, they broke down to do the training. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, conduct an accurate and thorough assessment of the potential risk and vulnerabilities to the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of EPHI. Word for word. They did not do the security rule. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You know, that that's it is, you know, pretty much what they're saying. And it, we see it over and over, small providers, you know, occasionally large ones. You know, I had a a client, really large entity compared to these guys. And we did our assessment and we're like, this does not look good. And they're like, why? When last year our IT company did an assessment and we had all low risk. And now you're telling me 
we have these problems. Mm -hmm. How could that be? Well, when your IT company asks you, do you have a policy on blah, 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 and you said yes, they said, check, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. When I ask you and you said yes, I said, show it to me. And then I read it, <laughs> and you don't have that policy. Oh, I get you now. So there is a distinct difference between that questionnaire and actually looking to see, yeah, you have a policy, but your policy says X, Y, and Z, but what's actually happening is A, B, and Z. Mm -hmm. So no, you aren't. You haven't implemented your policies and procedures. That's a problem. Okay. But all they did was ask if you have a policy. You said yes. Mm -hmm. And off you go. And it's a distinct difference when you look under the covers. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if OCR gets involved, they're not going to say, well, just tell me what you have and we'll move on. Mm -hmm. They oh. say, show me these things and then they'll start asking more questions. But they're always going to say, send me your risk analysis. Mm -hmm. And so then we get to the cap because, you know, that's where we really learn either from how you screw up the investigation. So we have already discussed that. And what their point is, is that you should take immediate action. It should be swift and definite action to address problems that you have. And I can assure you, they urged them and tried to get them to do these things for five years before they gave in and did the security awareness training. And it doesn't say what other they did. So, you know, same old stuff. And it, I thought it was, you know, one of the things we always tell people when we start working with them, they'll be like, how long is it going to take me to get compliant? <laughs> <laughs> it should be done by Sunday night. Uh, yeah. yeah. A couple of weeks. Yeah. And and a lot of people have that approach. But again, you know, it's not about compliance is a it's a regulation. Mm -hmm. And if you're just gonna do that, then you can do that real easy. Just check the boxes and say you have the policies and procedures. And claim you're compliant. But are we going to worry about securing uh, your information and the privacy rights of, you know, your clients and your patients and all of those things? If we're really going to focus on building a proper privacy and security program, about two years if you stay committed. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. And you and I have both seen it. It takes about two years. Yeah. And interestingly enough, most of the caps are two years. <laughs> I wonder why. And they follow a pattern that I did not dream up all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should. It was my original idea to follow these steps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you saying? <laughs> but, but they did put some interesting specifics that – you know, maybe I have memory issues, and let's don't go into that, David. But <laughs> I don't remember seeing these specifics, and, and I'm interested to see if you remember, though, where, you know, yes, you need to conduct a complete and accurate, thorough, enterprise-wide analysis of risk and vulnerability. Yeah, we always see that. Mm -hmm. But the next little bit is not what I'm used to seeing. 
that incorporates all electronic equipment, data systems, programs, and applications controlled, administered, owned, or shared by MCHS or its affiliates that are owned, controlled, or managed by MCHS that contain, store, transmit, or receive EPHI. Hmm. That's clearly stating what they mean when they say enterprise-wide. <laughs> yeah, let's make no mistakes here. Yeah. This is it's what we mean. everything. So again, it goes back to that same part of the process. If you never do a complete inventory and you just assume that all I got to worry about is my EHR, again, same problems. As part of this process, they shall, I always like that, you know, people put in their policies and procedures should, <laughs> you know, should, <laughs> I, you had teenagers, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. If I say should that versus no. shall, they know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You so they shall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember you said one I my, should do it. I remember one of my kids one time, I, they did something. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, you know, it'd be a good idea if you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and they just kept going. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You didn't say I had to do it. You said it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> mm, class. See, same thing. So you shall develop a complete inventory of all electronic equipment, electronic equipment, mm -hmm. data systems, off-site data storage facilities, and applications that contain or store EPHI, which will then be incorporated in its risk analysis. Now, yeah. How many times do you get pushback when I we ask the question, do you have an inventory of the software you use? Well, IT knows that. Really? David, do you know all the software that your clients use? I know all the software they use that they complain about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you don't support no. the software and you could go look at what's on their network, you know, as far as on their systems. But most people use cloud applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, we can we can figure out what they're running for the most part on the systems. But to your point, if they pull up their web browser and then they're going to a website and they're using an application that's in the cloud, then guess what? Our inventory reporting doesn't show that. Exactly. And you don't know the data that's there or any nothing. Mm -mm. Eh. So if you don't know those things, how can you do? A complete and thorough analysis. Okay. And again, you know, when it talks about the applications, okay, you know, do you require passwords on your EHR? Yes. Okay, but what about your security settings on your EHR? I mean, we get in there, what is your EHR? Have you reviewed the security settings? Do you know that you're utilizing, because we both know you can turn stuff off. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually had a doctor yelling in the background that the tech was because I said the tech's calling me. Doctor so and so doesn't want me to have a password on the laptop, and I said, "Tell Doctor so and so we're not accepting that liability." Mm -hmm. And Doctor so and so's yelling, "If you put it on there, I'm taking it off as soon as you leave." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know what. That's your liability. As long as I can document we put it on there and you actively took it off, 
I'm done. You know, not my problem. Yeah. But that's exactly what you're up against. Yeah. You know, so yes, I know it's there and we're supposed to be doing it. <laughs> I had one case where everybody had the same password. Mm. Do you have password rules? Yes. Does everybody have a unique login? Yes. Are all their passwords different? Nope. But no one asked that. Mm-hmm. And and that is what a risk analysis really involves is is more than just those scans and quick questionnaires. Yes, it does involve the scans and questionnaires, but it involves more than that. Yeah. So those are very, very specific things. And in a minute, we're going to get down to another part, which I find is interesting because we don't see business associates mentioned in there at all. Mm-hmm. We normally would see that. Yeah. You know. And then, you know, I, I assume that what they're doing is trying to say everything you've ever given me was a gap analysis or a quick scan. It doesn't meet these obligations, and that's why they were more specific. And then you get the next thing is that within 30 days of yesterday or this week, they're supposed to, you shall, (laughs) (laughs) submit the scope and methodology Mm -hmm. by which it proposes to conduct the risk analysis. Yes. And then HHS will, you know, OCR will notify them whether the proposed scope and methodology is or is not consistent with the security rule requirements. Mm-hmm. Now, that tells you something right there. I don't know that I remember that either. No, I don't think I've ever seen that one. You know, so have we ever seen it as specific as that and with you need to tell us how you're going to do it before you even start? Mm-mm. I can't recall a time they've ever said, tell us how you're going to do it before you do it. And we need to, you know, we need to check off on it. <laughs> yeah. And maybe if they did, I, they didn't. Certainly, I don't recall where both elements are in there. Yeah. Interesting. So right. I, I thought it was very interesting trying to guide them. Yeah. Well, it's in one, in one case, I'm, or one side of me, I'm like, well, they're trying to help them out. Because mm-hmm. they're small and they don't understand. The other side of it is maybe, I mean, in addition to helping them out, maybe that's point of contention. And so mm-hmm. they're trying to be very clear what your arguments are are invalid. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know which one it was, but, you know, it did start out saying that, you know, they provided technical assistance. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's usually this is what you should do, kind right. of assistance. So it, it's not a gap analysis. It's not a network scan, and that's what they're people keep doing these wrong. Oh gosh! You know when when uh, Severino was asked about you know in, <laughs> adding things to the security rule, he's like, "We can't get them to do this right. Why should we worry about adding things?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had an IT company call me yesterday, as a matter of fact, and mm-hmm. um, and he's the guy's like, "I need to I need to talk to Donna. I need to get Cardin involved. I have a client who needs." a risk assessment and I need it done properly. And I'm like, kudos to you. <laughs> Yeehaw. You know, you obviously have been listening and uh, he's been in it for a while and he understands that it vendors for the most part are not the people that are going to be able to do an accurate and thorough risk assessment for their clients, running these scans and then handing those scans over to your, your client along with some little rinky dink questionnaire is not going to cut it. It's a good place to start, but it is not. A f- well, you'll get the same answers next time. Yeah. But, it's, yeah. you know, there again, There's it's not going to be a different. There's not going to be. 
And if I went yeah. to my client, honestly, if I went to my clients or anybody's clients for that matter, I can guarantee you if I go through the list of what are we doing for you, they're going to mention things that I know we're not doing for them. Uh-huh. And so it's the same thing with this. If you say, well, do you have, you know, A, B, and C? And they're going to just say, yeah, yeah, we have that. When oftentimes they don't, they don't even understand the question of what they should have. Well, yeah, because they'll say yes, and they don't even, they think that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that that's clear in here. And so they make them approve how they're going to do it before going and wasting any time doing it. And I think sometimes these questionnaires, you remember how you used to take like the personality questionnaire and it's like, <laughs> you, you're supposed to answer the questions quickly, mm-hmm. you know, but at some point, sometimes you get to the point where you're like, I don't really like that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this is probably accurate for me, I'd rather be this person. <laughs> right. Or you, you know, you, you basically, you're answering the question based on what you think the answer should be, not what it actually is. And so I think people do that on these assessments. They're like, well, I know I don't have it, but the answer they're looking for is that, yes, I do have it. So let me just say yes. (laughs) Or, well, we bought the template, so I'm sure everything's in there. Yeah. That's really what usually happens. (laughs) Do we have something that says this? Yes. Do we have something that references this? Yes. Mm -hmm. Done. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, we bought those back in 96, so yes, we have them. They weren't available in 96, Google. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I said that. I've been uh, doing HIPAA ever since 96, and I'm like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. We've you know, heard it. We've dealt with NPPs ever since 96. Really? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? I think we even see some consultants that's been doing that long. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> And, you know, there were some people that were involved in the definition and the guidance. And those are very specific people. They are not the people who, you know, we heard an expert with 20 minutes worth of introduction, (laughs) all their knowledge, then turn around and say, everybody knows about the MPP. We've been doing them since 96. Mm -hmm. I I can't even call that a mistake. Were you the previous speaker? (sighs) Moving right along. So after they approve of the methodology, then you got 120 days to submit that risk analysis to HHS. Mm-hmm. 120 days. And my team at some point will be listening to this because they listen to all of them because this is how we train. They, they, just the thought of doing it in 120, it's only the risk analysis part. <laughs> Not everything, but then they got the you know the whole review loop that you always have, mm-hmm. and then if I thought this was also something I hadn't seen before, if HHS requires revisions to the risk analysis, HHS shall provide a detailed written explanation of such required revisions and with comments and rec- recommendations in order for it to be prepared properly or for them to revise it. Hmm. I don't remember him saying that. So I thought that was interesting as well. Hmm. It is. And then at that point, once it's approved and they think you've really evaluated everything, 
Now they start the risk management plan with a timeline for getting it all done and how are you going to do it. But, you know, again, another little anomaly there is it says they, <laughs> we, we don't notice, uh, is the last little part. It says something a little different, you know. It says they shall annually conduct an accurate and thorough rhythm, blah, 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 blah. You know how that goes. <laughs> so they expect it to happen annually. They say annually. Mm-hmm. For, so for all those people who say you only have to do it every three or four years, no, annually is best. And three is a really long time. Yeah. And at the rate business has changed today, everybody should be redoing one this year. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it goes, Most everybody's, you know, you, what is the term? You've pivoted. Yeah. No. If you haven't had to pivot or change the way you do business or your workflow, then okay. But otherwise, if you've had to change any of that, that's a major change to your business and you should have another risk analysis done. Mm -hmm. This goes back to the thing about, you know, people will say, well, you should do it every year or we suggest you do it every year. (laughs) This is shall. You shall, (laughs) which means you will. Mm-hmm. So that's what, they, you know, this again is what they expect to see. That's why they're having you do it. But then we get into the, you know, that first analysis, the requirement on the first one, it doesn't even mention BAs, right? We just talked about that. Mm-hmm. But in the you shall do them annually part, it includes this little bit about and it's engaged to business associates. So I thought that was interesting that it wasn't in the first part, but it is in this part. I don't know what that means. I would have asked questions. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But then they go into, all right, we've done the risk analysis, the risk management plan. Then they get to policies and procedures. Again, we talked about they weren't implemented. <laughs> and we always tell people that when they come in and, and they tell you, that if X happens and that causes us to come in to do an investigation, we don't have to just look at X. We can look at everything. Yeah. There's no rule. And so they do mm-hmm. at times look at everything. If they start to see things that are concerning them, they'll start turning over every little rock they can find. And that's why it says <laughs> they shall review and revise all of its written policies and procedures to comply with the privacy, security, and breach notification rules. And then it goes on to specifically mention all of the sections that should be included for each of those rules. So if you wonder whether you've got them all, go to that list in there. Mm -hmm. I know we're going to be reviewing it. Yeah, no kidding. And then, of course, it lays out the expectations for training. And, you know, we always see that they expect training to take place 30, 60, 90 days after HHS's approval of their policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's what they're doing, why is it that so many people only worry about training their workforce on basic HIPAA stuff, and then they hand them their policies and procedures and some documents to sign off and say, oh, yeah, I understand that. Okay, how many people read those? actually understand it there's no further iteration no further definitions and if they had questions they actually asked questions right does that happen often Mm-mm. yeah that's why I'm, it's another thing that we're working on on how to handle education on your policies and procedures 
because I think this is where things go horribly wrong mm-hmm. for most organizations is first they don't have them. Then they have them and they just have the people read them and everybody starts handing them, you know, word of mouth. We talk about <laughs> the boot camp in a very interesting way, why you need written policies and procedures. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a lot there. You know, it's not easy being, a, this is what you talked about, that, you know, this is where it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. That doesn't cost $25,000, do you think? <laughs> no. I mean, two years, you might spend, well, we don't know how, if they haven't even looked at their network, what's your bet on how much they would need to spend on operation that size, 43 employees, and a fairly large building, you know, just to come in to that site, what do you usually run into as, you know, there is their firewall up to date? Do they have segmentation? Do they have security controls? And, you know, I mean, what would you expect to see? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's just a single site, of course, it'd be easier. Um, I don't know if it's multiple. There's two cities. And okay. They're about to open a third. Right. So and we, I'm sure they've done no risk analysis for that. Right. So, you know, depending on how many locations, I mean, yeah, it's going to be multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Easily 50 grand, I would say. Oh, yeah. Just in what you would need to upgrade your technology if you're not paying attention. Yeah. And if you've thrown 50 grand at it without deciding how to do it properly, then you may have to spend money to undo what you've done. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a client that they just upgraded their PCs recently, not not the server or the network or anything else, just the PCs. Mm-hmm. And just the cost for the computers themselves was $25,000. There you go. And that's not including deployment or anything else. Licensing just of anything. Equipment. Yeah, just purchasing yeah. the equipment to upgrade. So there you go, folks. This stuff ain't cheap. It, if you were doing it all along, it is way cheaper. It is way cheaper to spend a little bit of money all along the way than to have to spend a big ticket Mm -hmm. all at one time and then a little bit of money all along the way. Yeah. And then, you know, you still, there's no, there's no telling of the damage that happens to the brand and trustworthiness. And, you Mm -hmm. know, you're now you're on the radar of OCR. I mean, there's a lot of things that's hard to measure that, you know, yeah. it's a whole lot more expensive than everything else. Speaking of that, this was some of the other news that I was going to cover that kind of went along with this. Okay. Because one of the other things is civil actions, lawsuits, when you have data breaches. Mm-hmm. And there was a, an article I saw where a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit filed against a dental center. I think it's in Alabama, that uh, a January 2019 ransomware attack that affected more than 391,000 individuals. And in that, the judge cited there was a lack of evidence that data had been misused. Hmm. So that's January 2019. And this inability to show harm, you know, that, that's been the way that most of these lawsuits have been put aside. 
Because if you can't prove there was any harm, and, and you know, for years, you and I would say, yeah, I, I doubt they actually took the data. They might have been in there looking around, but I, I don't think they took the data in those early ransomware attacks. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it was fully automated. A program ran, and, you know, all of a sudden, they got money. Right. But we know, starting at the end of the year, the times they are changing. Oh, yeah. That is no longer the modus operandi. Yeah. So we've been talking about that, and then Blackbaud, and I, I, are you familiar with Blackbaud? They're up there in the Carolinas. Uh-uh, I'm not. Okay, so it's a it's a company, kind of think of it as the nonprofit organization, management suite and consulting and all of that. Mm-hmm. They're big in nonprofits. If you've ever done anything with nonprofits, somehow you've probably dealt with Blackbaud. And in May, they get hit with a ransomware attack. Mm. Now, the good thing is, you know, and this this is a pretty, you know, solid company. They had things in place because in their announcement, they say that they discovered and stopped it. That's great. Mm-hmm. They really did stop it before everything was encrypted. And that's because they had things in place. But guess what happened? What happened? What had happened was, that's my friend Brian. I just have to say. Shout out to Brian if you're listening, because <laughs> what had happened was, I miss you. As they continue, right, down their discussion in their announcement, they say, we ultimately expelled them from the system. That That's cool. Expel. <laughs> and prior to locking the criminal out, comma, uh-oh, there's a comma, <laughs> The cyber criminal removed a copy of a subset of data from our self-hosted environment. Uh-oh. Bam. Now, how is it that they're going to be able in the future on a lawsuit to say there's no harm? Because now the data's gone. Mm-hmm. Right? But, <laughs> these I mean, they did everything right, but they still had to pay because the criminals, they... Said, because protecting our customer data is a top priority, we paid the cyber criminals' demand with a confirmation that the copy they removed had been destroyed. Now, they did that, but (laughs) (laughs) it still says you're trusting a criminal. Yeah. Well, they said they deleted it. Come on, Marilyn. And, and what kind of, did they give you a legal documents notarized? (laughs) But, uh, so how are the courts going to treat that in the future? Are they going to see it the same way? And we see the same thing because another announcement, uh, Heartland Counseling Services announces potential contacts information breach. So a staff member sent out an email where they're supposed to use a BCC and they used a CCC, a CC instead. Mm -hmm. So now you see everybody's email, which is a serious issue. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that stands between that happening in your organization is whoever's typing that email. Yeah. I saw um, something happen this week. The same same kind of thing. Well, here's what happened. This is very interesting. This was a webinar that I was on. And when you use, this was Zoom. So when you use Zoom and when it's over with, you get to download some files. So one of the it files that it downloads in addition to the, the video and the audio, it downloads an Excel file or a CSV file with all the information of who attended. Right? 
but they're supposed to turn that off. So this this person sends out an email and says, here's the recording. Not not a link to the recording. <laughs> here's the recording. And it had the CSV oh, no. file of all the attendees. Oh no. Yeah. So it's it's somebody who doesn't understand the technology because they they should have just uploaded that somewhere and sent a link out, but they didn't. They or they were sent, in a hurry, just yeah. trying to get it done. So they sent the file, the video file of the webinar, and along with that, they also sent the CSV file, which had every person's name, email address, company name, phone number, whole not every all they everything they used to sign up for the webinar was there. Nice. Yeah. For, fortunately, not healthcare. However. Um, this, you know, some of these people on this webinar was from across the pond. So, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> GDPR, <laughs> and that—that's what these articles that I was going to review because people are making mistakes. Yeah, and it's either they're short-staffed or they're stressed out, or it could be all of those things. And there was a interview with you know somebody that might know. <laughs> This kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The director of National Insider Threat Center at Carnegie Mellon University. Yeah, I think they know what they might doing. know. Right. <laughs> they they've been doing some research, and if you if you go, there's a link, and you can hear the interview. But the thing that got me interested in the interview was their lead in on the article. The motivators of an insider who eventually goes on to harm an organization is someone who is trying to overcome financial need or financial stress. We have talked about this. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other announcement where the guy from Michigan, they announced a 43-count indictment against a guy and arrested him. He's 29 now. And in 2014, so he was just barely an adult, he hacked into... Apparently several things, including the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. I think we talked about this one Mm. because he stole PII of the employees, not PHI. Mm -hmm. And it was a thing. And they have accounted for 1.7 million in false tax returns where he sent out and, you know, he sold it on the dark web. Yeah. That's a, you know, this is a doable thing. And he hacked it to get that one data grab. But what if he was working there? Because it turns out he's now a FEMA IT specialist. (laughs) So let's don't go down that path. But he had a job somewhere else. Now they're going to have to figure out whether or not he did those things. Yeah. and So it's there. All of this stuff is going on. You have to pay attention. And all the things that have protected us before, that may be over. Yeah. And the last time I looked at the Twitter hack information... We hadn't talked about that at all. Oh my God! Yes. But the last time I looked at that, there's suspicion that there was um, there was an insider thing going on there as well. Mm-hmm. So, man, you know, all the things you put in place are there. I won't say all of them, but the majority of it is is there to protect you from from threats from the outside. The biggest threat is coming from the inside in a lot of cases, and I think that's. You know, that's the next frontier of cybersecurity. It's because we already hear things about hacking the human. Yeah. And uh, I heard somebody securing say, Securing well, the human and hacking the human. Yeah, it's so, two different things. Yeah. So securing a human is something we, we're hearing about now. We're hearing people use the phrase. And then uh, one I've heard lately is uh, patching humans is, is one I've heard lately. So, uh, you know, it, it definitely is 
the next iteration of security. It, it's not the technology you're putting in place. It's the people that you have in front of that technology. So basically what we're saying is just need to, you know, get your business focused on security information and monitoring your systems for problems and, you know, don't make any assumptions and uh, don't assume things are okay. Otherwise you're likely headed for trouble. <laughs> so remember folks, that is our show for today. And you can follow us and share us out on your favorite social media site, rate us on our podcasting app. As always, we need your help to spread the word. So for Donna and myself, remember the HIPAA, is not about compliance. It's about patient care. You've been listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast hosted by Donna Grendel and David Sims. The show created to help you with HIPAA. For more information or to ask us a question, visit our website at helpmewithhipaa.com. Neither Donna Grendel or David Sims are attorneys and they do not offer binding legal advice concerning regulatory compliance. The information in this podcast should not be relied upon or construed as legal advice in any way. Consult your attorney for legal advice concerning compliance with HIPAA regulations.